Welcome to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life with your host, Linda Lang. Hi, this is Linda Lang from ThoughtChange.com. We are exploring the mystical side of life again today. David Richards is a yoga teacher and a master of his own journey in life. Welcome, David. Thank you so much, Linda. It's so great to be here. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk with you today. Well, I'm excited too, David. I know a little bit about your background. You started in the military, in the Marines, and somehow you ended up teaching yoga and becoming an author in self-help. How did that happen? Yeah, I mean, doesn't everybody do that? Like, um, you know, it's, so for me, the Marines was a way of life. So I grew up in the Marines. My dad was a Marine. And I didn't really realize, even as a kid, that I was kind of in the Marines because you got used to moving around every two or three years and kind of uprooting yourself. And this is well before the internet. So you weren't going to see these people again. And we were best friends. And now, bye, I will never see you again. And, um, and so you kind of learn this hardship. But then you also, as, you know, as a 10-year-old, I lived in Japan for three years. And that was in 1979 when... I'm sure less than a tenth of a percent of Americans had that experience or opportunity. And so in some ways, you know, we traveled to the Philippines, we traveled to uh, South Korea, and I, I, was, I saw just cultures, and I, I lived in these cultures in some ways. And so it was this tremendous experience, but there's also sort of this, it was almost like the, the comedy, you know, tragedy comedy thing, because in some ways there were really great experiences, but then there was always the uprooting and moving away from people and, and kind of realizing that no matter how guarded I was in trying to become friends, I always wanted to get as close to someone as I could, even though I knew eventually that was going to lead to this disruption. And so I joined the military because that's what I thought I kind of had to do. I didn't really, and it wasn't my dad wasn't, he didn't compel me to, um, I'd been successful in English in high school, but I didn't think that I could write as a way of life. And so the military was the natural way. I really liked it. I you know, was in Somalia early in the nineties as part of operation restore hope. And, and I found like, what a great experience to try to you know, help this country that was riddled with famine and try to, inst you know, install democracy without understanding all their tribalism and, and how that worked. And, um, and, Obviously, that didn't work out necessarily great, but I kind of kept on that journey because I was getting paid to do it now, which in some ways was satisfying, even though there was still sort of the heartache. I couldn't really make relationships work because I didn't look at relationships based on the quality of the relationship. I looked at the relationship based on the duration of time I had left at a particular place before I moved. And so finally, I got to a point in my military career where I had a benign tumor removed from my neck and... I was just kind of at a crossroads where I couldn't, I couldn't balance kind of these two pieces of my life that seemed so disparate. In one sense, there was this romantic piece, the person who wrote, who, you know, loved the idea of love and exploring what that really meant. And then there was this military person who kind of liked the hardship and, and the challenge of suffering in some ways. And, um, and I realized like, I didn't want the challenge of suffering. Like, I feel like that was enough. And so uh, in 2006, I decided to get out. Um, I just happened to read a Sports Illustrated article about football players, NFL players using yoga to strengthen their midsections. And so I thought I would give it a shot. 
the big thing in that class was like, there was this stillness that got into my head that I had never really experienced before. And it was kind of like this, it was almost like a bolt of lightning right as the lightning starts. Like I didn't fully realize what was happening, but that's what drew me into yoga. That peaceful place. Once you have that experience, it just calls you. Oh, it's, it really does. And I think that's what I didn't know what it was. You know, transitioning out of the military, my last assignment was in Central America. So I did spend a lot of time out in Central America, not behind a desk, kind of navigating through a computer. And when I switched into corporate America, it was just this deluge of information. I mean, I would leave work and I would have like a hundred unread emails and more would be coming in as I was driving. And my mind was just this mess of, I have to do this tomorrow. I got to call these people. Did I schedule this? Am I, you know, am I late for this? What is the stress? And I would get into the yoga room and put my mat down and sit on the mat. And when the instructor started, like it just got quiet. And it was this, what is that? Like what? And, and I, had, I had, you know, growing up in Japan um, for part of my youth, I got into meditation because I saw there was this serenity of the Japanese culture and samurai and Bushido, the way of the warrior and all these things that none of my American friends had been exposed to. And so I didn't think it was super weird that on Friday nights, sometimes I would like grab a Japanese sword that I had and put it in front of me and just try to still my mind. And I didn't know like what I was doing. I'd read a book on Shambhala and how you're supposed to empty your mind of all thought. And, and then a thought would just pop up, but yoga just drew me in because it was calling to, it was calling almost to unify the two pieces of me that I wrestled with for most of my life. And that's what like, that was kind of the journey that I unwittingly took because I didn't really appreciate the power that yoga had to, to create that experience. I think a lot of people really struggle trying to calm that mind down yep. and they actually end up being in their mental body and the mind then has the mind of its own really. Yep. So when you can come into the body and be really present, it's so much easier to have that stillness. Well, I think it speaks to the soul. I think a lot of people live on the surface and that's why they experience a material world because it's low vibrational. Certainly the military with, you know, 70 tons of metal, that's a tank. You can't get much lower vibration than that. And it's a very real world, but you're not necessarily like cultivating any spiritual peace. And I think that's certainly like when you said that stillness, uh, especially if you get into the third eye and like you experience the, the vibration of activating your third eye and the pineal gland, then when you feel that, it's almost this bliss. It's like this, it's almost this sort of natural endorphin rush of pleasure. And you realize it's, it doesn't like, you don't relish in the pleasure. You just sort of accept it, which keeps it perpetuating so that you don't, I mean, it, it's this beautiful balance. And I think that's been, one of the greatest discoveries. And it certainly took me a while. I mean, it took me years, but that just speaks to, you know, the things that really matter to us. We start to really practice in our lives. And again, for me, going as deep as I can into love was one of the things that I really wanted to understand and explore. And, and that journey has been breathtakingly beautiful. So if it took you that long, David, why do you think you stuck with yoga? You know, I think I've, um, I have wrestled my entire life with the idea of love. And what I mean by that is 
it, it was just this thing that I could not understand. And like, and it was sort of like, why do I, why do I enjoy the, like the chasing of this feeling? And even as an adult, like I would go into relationships so confident and it was just this love and it was like, we'll make anything work. And then sort of the real world would come crashing in and, and things would dissolve and things would fall apart and I got divorced, but I kept trying and I kept going like I, I, instead of settling for something that I was supposed to like, you know, this idea that true love doesn't exist. Like there's this idea that, oh, we can tell a fairy tale and in the fiction world, true love is real and there's someone meant for someone else, but in the real world, no, that, that, that can't happen. And you're like, well, if, if spirituality is universal truth, then there has to be a universal love that makes that true. That if we can experience something in fiction, we can experience it in nonfiction because what we visualize, we can manifest. So somewhere, someone had the idea for a fairy tale being real, and that's why Disney has been so successful. And, and so for me, it was, okay, how deep do I have to go to get to that love? And that's what, you know, certainly the lighthouse keeper has been, but that's really what yoga was too, because it was how do you accept yourself when you don't know yourself. And if we're always sort of putting or projecting ourselves on other people as judgment, how do we, how do we turn that lens back on ourselves so that we can grow, really grow and progress and fulfill ourselves as a human and as a spiritual being. And, and yoga has done that. Um, and, and certainly like getting to the place where understanding um, that, you know, so far at least love knows no bounds. Like I've, I've gone so much deeper in love this year than I ever thought possible, especially with everything that's going on. So have you stopped looking outside of yourself for the love that you've been searching? I think it's, it's a great question. Um, I think there is love inside of us and we experience that in different ways through other people. And I think it's, do I, do I love myself? Absolutely. I just had coffee with someone this morning. Uh, we're going to start working together at some point next year. And she's this amazing, just mind blowing person. And I think I've known her for two months now. And I'm like, you are perfect for this, you know, what we're going to do. And, and I've already told her, I'm like, I love you. Like I, it's not, and I don't, I, I think oftentimes we feel like love is so precious that we have to reserve its use. And I, like, I, I can't subscribe to that because if I love myself then I love everyone I interact with. And I think that's like, that's when you start to swim in the really deep waters of love because in some ways it's scary because you're like, well, how can you love, you know, people who have different political views than you or different religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs than you. And like, well, that, that's exactly how you, you find the love to understand that they are just at a different place in their spiritual journey and you have to respect and acknowledge that. But at the same time, you're acknowledging there is a spiritual journey that we're all on, which speaks to the unity and connection that we share. And there are different, types of love this is not oh for sure love yeah not at all and, and that's that's the thing I, and i told her i even like it, you're sort of reading my mind but like i said if i'd met you 10 years ago i would have like wanted to flirt with you and and 
like you do that. And I said, it's not like you are in this incredibly beautiful person, but I see like spiritually, like I can share some of the stuff I'm working on for the next book with you. And you're not like, that's insane. You're like, yeah, because the Greeks believed in demigods and this other stuff. And so I'm like, you are perfect for this role. And that's where the love comes from is because I know that this universal connection has been made and I can honor that and come from a place of saying, I love you and not have it misinterpreted as, hey, I want to go out and have dinner with you or something like that. So how do you know the difference, David? I think, well, I think it comes down to, and this is, you know, in a lot of ways, um, Prince Charming had to put the slipper on a lot of people. And in my last relationship, Linda, I wrote, poem, I, wrote, I wrote three poems a day every day for six months because it was like, oh, I, like what is it going to take to find true love? And I thought that, that was the path that seemed logical at the time. And relationship lasted, you know, four years, but it was riddled with the faults that we had brought into the relationship. And, and then I was kind of like, you know what, I, I, I got to step back because, I, and I, the other thing I think for the first time in my life, I realized, and this is really true for the first time in my life coming out of a relationship, I realized the next relationship was going to be better. And what was so hard for me was I thought that I'd given my all into that relationship. And through the course of this year, with a pandemic, promoting a book about mastering your mind, working on a book about the power of unconditional pure love, I've come to a place where I'm like, okay, I know true love is real. I know the person who Cinderella, whose shoe, you know, the slipper is going to fit her foot. I already know that. We've never spoken in this life, but I know we've been together in a past life. And, and that's this crazy, like, that's crazy talk. And then when it happens in four or five months, people were like, okay, true love is real and fairy tales are real. And like now I know as another human being, because I've seen a fairy tale come true that this, I can have a fairy tale life too. Like, and that's, I mean, that's sort of a version of heaven. I think that, you know, for me is very close. So from a mystic point of view, it's like you put the call out to the universe. Yep. Of exactly what you wanted, and it was delivered. It, that's that's exactly it. And you and you, and it's almost. I mean, I love that you just said that because it's so true. And when this first happened to me, I I I, I saw the, the picture that I saw of this woman was something that triggered something in me that is a thousand, at least a thousand years old. And I'm not. It was. It was. It was so instant a connection because I looked at her and I thought, this reminds me of, it reminded me of the movie Gladiator, which takes place about, you know, I think 170 AD when Marcus Aurelius is the emperor. And, and I connected to that story somehow. And I was like, oh my gosh, like somehow that's my wife from this past life. And I've, I've stumbled upon this. And it was so fantastic, but then there were other synchronicities that started to happen. And my third book, which is again about this pure love that exists, I, I presented it to Jack Canfield back in March when the pandemic was just happening. And I told him it was gonna be called Being at the time. And I don't think it's gonna be called that now. I, it, I, might, I might go with um, the, God, or the War of God. That, that might be the name of the book. I'm, I'm wrestling with it now. But it was gonna be about who we are is more important than what we do. And 
I started writing it. I, I, I briefed Jack on it. I had like 45 minutes with him and he provided some feedback and suggestions. And then he said, you've got a year. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I've got a year. Like he didn't give, like I was a part of a mastermind. There was no one, there were six other people. No one got that sort of guidance. It was all, well, here's what you can do. Here's what you can do to me. He's like, you've got a year. And I'm like, okay. And so that was in March. Two weeks later, I see this picture. A week after that is my birthday, which was the Saturday before Easter Sunday last year. I someone in a, a Whole Foods in Santa Barbara, um, I, I'd never met the guy before. When I was at, going to Jack's, stopped me and he's like, hey, what's your, your, you know, what's your deal? When's your birthday? And I told him when my birthday was. He's like, I'm going to write you a song. And on my birthday, I got a song from a complete stranger and the song is called Believe. And so it, like, it, it was this huge spiritual awakening that I couldn't, like it was just, it was almost too much to believe. And then it was like, you know what? The hero's journey is all about surrender. You've got to struggle and struggle and struggle, but at some point you surrender. And when you surrender, that's when like this awakening happens. And so I started over the course of the summer because I started, I, I started writing my next book. I got a green pen and a blue pen I started writing the green pen and it was like, I want to tell you a story. And this voice was very rational and calm and beautiful. And then the blue pen was like, okay, write with me now. And the blue pen had a different voice and it was started to become this one voice was unconditional love. One voice was conditional love. But then at some point the conditional love pen was like, you know, that's life. Like you struggle in life and you grow and that's what makes love so rewarding. And it's like, then as the story progressed, these two pens became one and it was one voice. I got a third pen, like a purple one. And so all this happened during this year and even the signs like that have continued to perpetuate have just increased. And it's like the universe really does talk. Like it really does. And your whole life is a message. If you can just slow down enough and accept the message you're being told. And it was like, it's the most, even as I share it now, Linda, like my heart is fluttering because it's like this beautiful, beautiful experience. And it's so true. That is so true. The universe is talking to you yep. all the time. I love the idea of the two pans. And I love, I love that metaphor for all of us because we really can connect to unconditional love or conditional love at any time, just choice. It really is. And you start to like, all right, well, how can like, instead of me thrusting like my fear of the unknown, because now we're sort of all in the unknown, instead of projecting that as anger or something onto someone else, how can I turn around and say, if the universe is talking to me and the universe is talking to you, then the other seven and a half or 8 billion people on the planet, it's true for them too. And so then you come to a place where you say, okay, so you get to a place and you're like, all right, well, then there is a bigger message. And then it becomes a question of when you start to understand the bigger message, does that make your voice a bigger messenger? And that's kind of what my third book is revealing to me is, yeah, this is a big message. And I, I have a critical role to play in sharing that. And that's like, that's, that's for me been the most beautiful because the journey of this year has been so trying for all of us to reflect back on Jack Canfield, a guy I've never met before, telling me in a mastermind during a pandemic, you've got a year before this book happens, before you, before you happen, whatever that means, but you have this year. And 
and that acceptance has only like broadened and eliminated the journey. It's like the, it's like the lotus petal keeps opening and it's just like, oh my gosh, more beautiful the deeper you get. So it's, it's been really exciting. And I just wanted to highlight something that you said that I think is really important. And I think I, I would really love all the listeners to really take it to heart. And that is that the more light you carry, the more responsibility you have. You didn't exactly say it like that. The bigger the message, the bigger you understand the bigger message, the bigger messenger you become. And I love your demonstration for all of us about how you can bring spirit into every aspect of your life. I think sometimes it comes back to love, right? We situationalize our love. Like I love my family. They're great. I love my friends. They're good. I don't love those people because they didn't vote for who I voted for, or they don't look like I look, or they don't believe what I believe. Okay. Well then you're not really doing that real great a job of love then because your love is pretty conditional. And it's like, well, okay. We all experience conditional love, but then that means by definition, we all sort of also experience unconditional love. It just may not be, we may not represent it or understand it that way, but it's kind of how can we switch? And if I can, if I can find it in my heart to love billions of people that I've never met, and does that mean, well, I can't love them because I've never met them? Why, why does that matter? Like I've never met Jesus, but I, I believe he existed. I believe what happened to him happened to him. I think that's a big piece of my spirituality. And that that's something that also was interesting to pull into Ganesh and Shiva and these Hindu gods that I was like, this is a world that I don't fully understand. But But you start to see when you can rise above the idea that God is a particular flavor of religion. Well, no, he's everything because there was a creator for the universe then you're like, all right, well, if I can tune in to rise above the differences and see the similarity of that we're all humans on this planet, but there's got to be a common thread that brings us all together. And that's, that's the universe, you know, the universal creation. And I think you get to a place where we all, when we all share the same experience, kind of our understanding of our experience, then the whole consciousness of the planet is going to be elevated, right? Because now it's it kind of the, some of the stuff that Dr. Joe Dispenza does. And, but you, you really, you, you really get to the place where you understand there is a universal consciousness. I am a physical manifestation of that consciousness. And if that's true, that's true for me and you, and you start to realize, okay, there really is a bond between us and there's a power in the universe that's going to enable us to tap into that bond so that we can see the beauty of one another, regardless of where we came from, who we are, what we believe, where we live. Wonderful. Wonderful. David, Keep writing those inspirational books. I plan on it, definitely. Would you like to share your contact information with our listeners? Absolutely, Lynn. Thank you so much. And it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, uh, DavidRichardsAuthor.com. So uh, go to my website. Got lots of magazine articles I've written as well as other podcasts. Uh, my books are both available there, Whiskey and Yoga and The Lighthouse Keeper, also on Amazon. I'm on social media on David Richards Author. So please check me out and I'd love to connect. Fantastic. And thank you for listening to this week's edition of Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. If you enjoyed the conversation, check out some of our other conversations on this channel. Give us some love, share it with a friend, and remember to subscribe. Come and visit me at thoughtchange.com and see what energy medicine can do for you. Bye for now.